Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau is very concerned about freedom in Ukraine. Western intelligence agencies believe Russia will invade Ukraine any day now. And so Trudeau has announced that he will be giving Ukraine a half billion dollar loan and an additional $7.8 million worth of military equipment. It is even possible that we will see Canadian soldiers fighting alongside other NATO allies in Ukraine to repel Putin's invading force. So crucial is it to Western civilization that we maintain freedom in Ukraine. And to prepare for this robust defense of freedom in Eastern Europe, Justin Trudeau is making sure to quash every last gasp of freedom in his own country. In response to the peaceful convoy of truckers protesting the government's vaccine mandate, Trudeau has officially suspended civil liberties in Canada. Federal government has invoked the Emergencies Act to supplement provincial and territorial capacity to address the blockades and occupations. It is now clear that responsible leadership requires us to do this. These measures must be and will be compliant with our Charter of Rights and Freedoms. Indeed, the Emergencies Act was created in the late 80s to flow from and uphold the Charter. We'll always defend the rights of Canadians to peaceful assembly and to freedom of expression. Here in our capital city, families and small businesses have been enduring illegal obstruction of their neighborhoods. Occupying streets, harassing people, breaking the law. This is not a peaceful protest. BLM riots, that's mostly peaceful. But truckers honking to avoid injecting themselves with an experimental drug of dubious moral and medical value, that is terrorism. This sort of law, last invoked by Trudeau's father when he was the leader of Canada, will allow the suspension of public assembly, travel, and the use of property. It will allow the government to force privately owned tow truck companies to do the government's bidding and take the trucks. It will even freeze and seize the financial assets of the truckers and the truckers' supporters. First, we are broadening the scope of Canada's anti-money laundering and terrorist financing rules so that they cover crowdfunding platforms and the payment service providers they use. These changes cover all forms of transactions, including digital assets, such as cryptocurrencies. The illegal blockades have highlighted the fact that crowdfunding platforms and some of the payment service providers they use are not fully captured under the Proceeds of Crime and Terrorist Financing Act. Regular old truckers who don't want to inject themselves needlessly with an experimental drug are having their rights, their way of life, and their property taken from them in Canada the nicest, smiliest, most pleasant liberal nation on earth. And I'm supposed to be worried about a territorial battle in one of the most frequently conquered countries in the history of the world. I don't want to sound callous, and I am sure Vladimir Putin is a no good, dirty, rotten, terrible guy. But how exactly are we supposed to defend freedom on the other side of the world when we can't even preserve it in America's hat? I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show.
Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday from the drummer's workshop at Norm's Music, who says, Biden told Sam Brinton, the dogma lives loudly within you. Sam Brinton being the nuclear official who is apparently a dog fetishist. Really great work there from that commenter. Love me a good pun, especially, especially a pun about the absolute degradation of our federal government. It's, it's really, it gets you tense when you think about how degraded and weakened our country and our government have become. And when you're just feeling so tense, it's nice to relax, sit back and enjoy one of the finest sofas you can ever get. That would be all form. If you've been listening to this show for a while, you have certainly heard me talk about my Helix mattress. I love my Helix mattress. It is absolutely magnificent. Mattress built just for you. It's so beautiful. Well, Helix has left the bedroom and now moved into the family room, the living room. They've started making sofas. They just launched a new company called Allform. They are already making the greatest sofas we have ever seen. So what makes an Allform sofa really, really great? For starters, it is the easiest way that you can customize a sofa using premium materials and at a fraction of the cost of traditional stores. You can pick your fabric, the sofa color, the color of the legs, sofa size and shape to make sure that it is absolutely perfect for you and your home. They've got armchairs and love seats all the way up to an eight seat sectional. So there's something for everyone. You can always start small and buy more seats later on if you want your all form sofa to grow and change with you when you move as your family changes. It's really, really top notch stuff. I love it. Uh, if you think it sounds a little risky, don't worry. You get 100 days to decide if you want to keep it. That is more than three months. If you don't love it, they'll pick it up for free, give you a full refund, but you're going to love it. They've got a forever warranty, a forever warranty, but you're going to love it. Find your perfect sofa. Check out allform.com slash Knowles. Allform is offering 20% off all orders for our listeners. That's allform.com slash Knowles. Justin Trudeau in Canada is clamping down. He is doubling down. He is calling these truckers terrorists. He is saying, you will take the Fauci ouchie. You will inject yourselves, even though everything we told you about it, all the promises we made turned out nah, not to be totally true, even though the virus is not nearly as dangerous as the fear mongers initially said it was, still you've got to do it. It's almost as though this isn't about a virus. It's almost as though this isn't about the public health or a pandemic. It's almost as though this is just about an exercise of power, a resetting of the political order and the economy, and, and Justin Trudeau asserting himself, just like so many politicians in America have asserted themselves, saying, no, we're going to grab this power in, in the new normal. That's what Trudeau is doing. Now, the little glimmer of hope, the silver lining in Canada, is that where power is closer to the people, where power is more accountable to the people, you are seeing not a doubling down on the mandates, but a loosening up. You're seeing, uh, for instance, in on Ontario, the Ontario Premier, Doug Ford, who is also significantly more conservative than Justin Trudeau, he's just announced that the mandates are gone. They're going the way of the dodo. The vaccine passport system will be shut down on March 1st. Capacity limits on restaurants, bars, theaters, and gyms will be lifted this week. That'll be on Thursday, a week ahead of schedule. He said that the, the reason for the lifting of these uh, restrictions has absolutely nothing to do with the truckers. Has nothing to do, no way, not with the Freedom Convoy. This is purely science. He says they would never negotiate with people who are breaking the law. I am a little 
skeptical of that because while we're told by all the public health geniuses that they're going to just follow the science and the science, the science hasn't changed. The science hasn't changed one little bit. These lockdowns, these mandates, these vaccine passport requirements have been implemented at various times throughout America and throughout Canada, but they've really ramped up within the last month or so. And then all of a sudden they went away ahead of schedule most of the time when, when the mandates weren't simply indefinite. So what changed? Not the medical science, but the political science. Even Fauci has admitted this. All the public health leaders have admitted this. The, the re, they are calibrating their public health pronouncements to what they think the people can take. And they're basing it much more on what they think people will do rather than on any sort of epidemiology. This, this was true from the very beginning when Fauci said, don't wear the masks, the masks don't work. And then five seconds later, he said, you have to wear the masks, the masks are really great. And then later on, they said, actually, the masks don't really do all that much. And the world leaders themselves never really took the masks seriously. Just look at the Super Bowl. All the plebes who had to work at the Super Bowl, they had their masks on. All of the rich, wealthy, powerful elites who were at the Super Bowl, none of them were wearing their masks because they never really believed it either. It was always about controlling people. You, you even had this with the, the shortening of the coronavirus quarantine happened just within the last month. They said, okay, we're no longer going to make you quarantine for 10 days. It's going to be five days. Why? Did the did the virus suddenly get lethargic and lazy and it's no longer infecting people? No, they just knew that people weren't going to do it. And Fauci even said that at a certain point, you got to figure out what people are going to do. And so they weren't going to do it anymore. And so he changed the policy. This is all about the truckers. Good job, truckers. Honk, honk, honk. Love what you're doing. You are defending not just some abstract liberty, but the way of life in Canada. And you're seeing this here too. You want to talk about a silver lining? down in DC here, one of the most draconian public health regimes that we've seen anywhere in the country. I was in DC about a month ago for the March for Life. And almost every place you would go into was demanding your papers, your medical history, your ID. It was really, really intense. Some people pushed back against that sort of thing. This was being reflected in the poll numbers. And all of a sudden, even DC is lifting the mandates. Additionally, um, beginning tomorrow, February 15th, um, as you know, the public health emergency, the limited public health emergency that I put in effect in December um, expires, uh, as will the requirement for indoor venues uh, to verify that patrons are vaccinated. Uh, again, businesses may choose to keep vaccination requirements in their place, in place, um, at their establishment um, with appropriate signage. I love this woman, the mayor of DC. She's trying to make it sound like this is just the ordinary way of things and they're going to expire and you know, the science. Lady, these mandates have only been enforced for, for a month now. What do, what do you mean? They're, and now they're, so they're just going to expire now. No, do you know what's happening? is that the Democrats know they're in an election year. They see that these mandates are absolutely crushing them in the polls. And so they're doing a complete 180. And for a while, at the beginning of the mandates, the mask mandates and the vaccine mandates, you saw from the mainstream news media, they, would, they, they tried to 
insist that the public actually loved these mandates. And they'd cook up a bunch of numbers and say they're polling really well. You know how you know they're not polling well? Because all the Democrats are, are doing a 180 now. That's how you know it's not working, is the people are pushing back against this stuff. And we still have enough of a functioning republic in this country that these sitting politicians are nervous that the people are going to throw the bums out if they don't lighten up and let them return to their ordinary way of life. Now, one political issue that has not gotten any easier recently are these soaring gas prices. But luckily, there is a solution. That would be get upside. I had to fill up my tank this morning. My tank was low. I now wait for it to get very, very low because gas is going through the roof. Even here in beautiful Nashville, gas is way, way up from what it was last year. Thank you, Mr. President. And so there was a little silver lining in my storm cloud of having to fill up my tank. Do you know what that was? GetUpside. GetUpside is so simple. You download the free GetUpside app. You use promo code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, and you will get 25 cents per gallon cash back. That's right. There's no catch, only cash back. Goes straight to your bank account, or if you prefer through PayPal, or you get an Amazon gift card or a gift card to some other online company. It's really straightforward. I would recommend it going straight to your bank account. You download the app. It's it's free app. Use the promo code Knowles. You will get 25 cents per gallon or more on your first tank. Get Upside users all over the U.S. are earning over a million dollars cash back every single week. Cash out anytime. Head on over. The free Get Upside app. Promo code Knowles. You can thank me with all your savings. According to a, a new poll, the majority of Democrats do not want Joe Biden to run again in 2024. Who do you think put this poll out? Because you're going to hear from the left, they're going to say, oh, this is propaganda. Oh, this is just right-wing conspiracy nonsense. Who do you think put the poll out? You think it was the Daily Wire? <laughs> you think it was the Blaze? You think it was Fox News? You think it was CNN, baby? CNN says the majority of Democrats do not want Joe Biden to run again in 2024. Only 45% of Democrats and Democrat-leaning voters want Biden to run for re-election. 51% want someone else to run. Margin of error is 3.3 points. This is really devastating news for Joe Biden. I was having a drink with a liberal family member of mine uh, just about a week ago. He says to me, Michael, who, who are we going to get? I said, who's we? He said, we Democrats, who are we going to get? There's no way Biden can run again, right? I said, I don't, what's the alternative? Kamala Harris is less popular than Biden. The Democrats keep trying to make Buttigieg happen, just like the mean girls try to make Fetch happen. It's not going to happen. He's not, I know, I'm, I know he was created in a lab, probably in the CIA building at Langley. I know he checks all the boxes. He's glib. He's good looking. He's gay. He went to Harvard. He worked at, I know he's, he seems great on paper, but it's, he's not going to happen guys. Buttigieg is not good. So then who do you have? You've got, uh, Antony Blinken, the secretary of state. I don't think so. Yeah. After botching every foreign issue during his tenure, you've got, uh, Liz Warren, is she still, I don't think she's a thing anymore. Who do you have? You've got nothing. And so the majority of even Democrats don't want this guy to run, Joe Biden. And yet he's probably the best option they've got. The one other option, and they're already floating this, Doug Schoen, a former Clinton advisor, ran an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal about a month or so ago, floating this idea. What if 
they reanimate the corpse of Hillary Clinton. What if they go back and have Hillary 3.0? Well, there's even worse news there for Democrats. John McLaughlin, who was a pollster who worked for Trump, but he's a very respected pollster on both sides of the aisle. John McLaughlin just ran a poll trying to figure out how Trump would fare against any Democrat candidate in 2024. Here's what he found. Our last national poll, Joe Biden has a 57 job disapproval. That's a drop of 33 points since last April. I mean, last April, he had a 50%, 58% approved. Trump had left him with the growing economy, vaccines. People thought things were going to get better. And instead, they spent, they had, he didn't have to do anything. Donald Trump defeats Joe Biden nationally in these polls, 49-44. And, and Trump defeats Kamala Harris even worse, 51-40. And he even beats Hillary Clinton, 51-41. So the Republicans are united. And for this November, the Republicans are leading in the generic ballot for Congress, 48-43. It's just absolutely devastating news for the Democrats. It's sort of devastating news as well for the non-Trump Republicans. Because you hear a lot of talk right now about, especially Ron DeSantis, he's considered to be the sort of young gun, shiny new thing who could be a great, and I think he could be a good presidential candidate. But the hurdle that he's going to have to overcome is that Donald Trump is just dominating the field. You will sometimes hear anti-Trump people in the Democrats and in the Republican party who say, well, Trump's only commanding the support of 53% of Republicans. Oh, is that all? (laughs) Only 53%? You look at the next candidate, Ron DeSantis, who's a great governor, who's, who's doing a good job, who probably could be a, a good presidential candidate. He's at something like 13%. The other, the other candidates also who would be superb presidential candidates, you look at someone like Ted Cruz, you look at someone like Mike Pompeo, you, look, I mean, you go down the list, all of, all of them are at 13 or less. Trump is at 53. Because you got to remember, for people who are tuning into shows like this, you are very politically aware. You are. I mean, this is not just flattery. If you're tuning into a show like this, you know what's going on in politics. You know who the players are. You know what the stakes are. You know what the official message is. You know what the reality is. But the vast majority of Americans do not spend their time thinking about these things. They don't. There, I, I just spoke to a young woman, perfectly bright, ordinary, well-adjusted young woman, who I mentioned Dr. Fauci. She said, who's Dr. Fauci? I said, lucky you. Blessed are you that you are not paying so much attention to what's going on that you don't, you don't know who Dr. Fauci is. That's great. So when you think of ordinary people who are just going about their lives, who are not concerned about, I don't know, what's going on in Ukraine this week or what this particular law in Canada means for this, for ordinary people who are just kind of paying attention to their jobs and their family and their local communities, The name you're going to think of is Trump. Now, the good news for the Republicans is Trump is absolutely crushing every other candidate right now. And the House Republicans are are absolutely crushing the Democrats. So how do we lose? How do we lose? Well, Republicans can still lose. And the reason they can still lose is that Republicans do not have any institutional power. The liberals control every single center of power in this country except for the people. That's what, that's what the trucker thing is about. That's what the anti-vax, anti-mask, anti-public health establishment protests are about. 
in America. It's what the Freedom Convoy is about in France, for goodness sakes. They've got a trucker protest in France right now. What's it about? It's especially pronounced here in America. We don't control the universities. We conservatives. We don't control the media. We don't control big tech. We don't control corporations. We don't control sports. We don't control the government. We don't control the bureaucracy. We don't control the NGOs. We don't control the transnational. We don't control any of it. But we still have a lot of the people. We still have roughly half the people, probably more than half the people, if these polls are to be believed. And that's what's creating this friction. That's what's creating this tension. But I'll show you how it played out. Do you remember years ago now, the New York Times blamed Sarah Palin for a mass shooting? They blamed, because Sarah Palin had put out some totally normal political material saying, these are the districts we're targeting. These are the policies that we're targeting in, in our political actions in this coming election cycle, right? And that, that word and that image of the target, then later on, uh, Congressman Gabby Giffords, Democrat Congressman gets shot. She ended up surviving, but she ends up getting shot. And the left blames Sarah Palin because she used this image of targeting districts. Everyone uses it. Democrats use it. Republicans use it. They've always, but they, they found a, a cynical opportunity and they said Sarah Palin's responsible. And Sarah Palin sued the New York Times for defamation. Well, unfortunately, Palin sued, sued the New York Times in a New York court. The, the jury was deliberating on this case. It seems like a pretty strong case to me. And then the judge, while the jury was deliberating, threw out the case. And the judge in this liberal New York court said, sorry, the Palin team has not, has not proved that, that the, the, what the New York Times did reached this very high standard for defamation. And the judge is right about two things. He's right about two. One, there is a very high standard for defamation in this country. There wasn't always a very high standard for defamation, but there is now. And two, what the judge said was the, the Palin team did not prove actual malice, meaning even if the New York Times is extremely ignorant and extremely irresponsible, the, the New York Times, there's no proof that the New York Times actually knew that the stupid nonsense that they were publishing was, was false. And so in, the, the defense is basically, look, the New York Times, they're a bunch of idiots. How are they supposed to know? The New York Times, they're totally ignorant. They don't know anything about what's going on. So because you, because you can't prove that the New York Times has even two brain cells to rub together, therefore it's not defamation, which is a fairly strong case when you're talking about, <laughs> when you're talking about the New York Times. Now, the, the reason for this, the reason that the threshold is so high for defamation is because there was a court case in 1964, New York Times versus Sullivan. It actually involved the New York Times again because they're extremely irresponsible journalists. And in that case, the liberal court decided to raise the standard immensely for defamation to this standard of actual malice. And so for all intents and purposes, you, a public figure cannot sue for defamation, no matter how irresponsible and vicious the coverage is. In other countries, it's pretty easy. And, and sometimes public figures do win, but not here in America, not since the 1960s. Conservatives need to cut this out. There is an impulse among conservatives to say, look, we want, we, we need to protect the freedom of the press to such a degree that they should be able to publish whatever nonsense lies about politicians. That's the only way to preserve free speech in America. BS. That's not going to help us here, folks. 
All that does, this very high standard from the 1960s of defamation, all it does is entrench liberal power because the liberals control all of these institutions, especially the press. Trump was aware of this. Other conservatives who know what time it is are aware of this. We need to tighten up those libel laws, those defamation laws. Otherwise, all we are doing is handing the left more and more and more power in a way that is unjust and completely unnecessary and will not will not help anyone in this country in the it will not will not help the country overall it'll help the liberals but it won't help the country overall in the long run if you missed the world premiere of shut in this past weekend head on over to dailywire.com/subscribe and get a membership today the film is now exclusively streaming for daily wire members it currently has a critic score of 100% and an audience score of 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. We are creating more and more great entertainment without a leftist agenda. It's all thanks to our Daily Wire members. Head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe today so you can watch Shut In, Hyperion's, and Gina Carano's new movie out this summer. Also, when it comes to understanding how our world is run, there's always more to uncover. Introducing one of the Daily Wire's newest projects, The Enemy Within, our new series featuring acclaimed journalist Lee Smith, author of The Plot Against the President. In his newest project, Smith uncovers a political coup orchestrated by America's ruling elites to generate their own wealth and power at the expense of the American people's safety and freedom. The Enemy Within will start streaming this Friday exclusively at Daily Wire. Also, if you're a Candace Owens fan, well, Yes We Candace merchandise is back in stock and ready for your shopping pleasure. She's also added brand new merch that is very limited. When she launched the line in December, her initial merch release sold out in just two days. Don't wait where this collection might be gone again. Check it out at yeswecandice.com. We'll be right back with a lot more. Sometimes conservatives defend the insanely left-wing, radical, unfair, irresponsible press. They will. They oppose tightening up defamation laws. And the reason they do it is they say, well, you know, if we tighten up defamation laws, then the government might use that to suppress our speech. Then the liberals might use that to silence us as though the liberals weren't already silencing us, using all the power that they've got, not just through the government, but through the whole public-private establishment, big tech, the corporations, the universities, cor- all corporate America, all of it. To, they're already doing that. So these people are worried about a hypothetical that is already happening in real life. But furthermore, what they will say, and it sounds principled, even though it's, it's really not a, a great principle, but what they'll say is the answer to bad speech is more speech. You see, look, the New York Times, even if they're running vicious lies, complete dishonesty, the, the, the answer to that is not to tell them no and enforce defamation laws. No, no, the answer to that is build your own New York Times. That's basically what they're saying, right? The, it's more speech. That is not always true. <laughs> The answer to lots of speech is to punish it, right? And that has always been the case in America. If you told the founding fathers, the answer to to bad speech is more speech, they would have looked at you like you had three heads. The answer to fraud is more speech. Uh, No, the answer to fraud is prosecution. The answer to sedition and uh, treason and direct threats 
is more speech. Uh, no, it's a police officer and a judge in a courtroom. That's the answer to those things. Uh, the answer to obscenity is, well, these days, I guess it's more obscenity is what we're doing. No. Do you know what the founding fathers would have said? They would have said, no, the answer to that is a jury and a judge and the enforcement of our laws. What are you talking about? We want, we want a thriving marketplace of ideas. We do, we really do want that, but you're not going to get that if you tolerate all sorts of fraud and lies and dishonesty and obscenity. Actually, all that kind of speech is going to undermine the free marketplace of ideas as it is right now. You're not, you're not going to get the answer to the bad speech as, as more speech if the liberals control all of the speech. The liberals control 100% of the institutional speech platforms in America. 100%. Conservatives don't have any of it. We don't have the, the press. We don't have the government. We don't have the big tech platforms, which are the public square right now. We don't have any of it. And it's no surprise that we're now seeing our voices being taken away from us. What do we have? We have some podcasts. I'm I'm very fortunate. I've got a, a very large platform here at the Michael Knowles Show and at the Daily Wire. That's great. Facebook could turn us off in two seconds. Well, you saw it with Joe Rogan. Even Joe Rogan, man, he's the biggest podcaster in the whole world. What he, well, he, he questioned a few things about COVID. He pointed out some inconsistencies with Dr. Fauci. He brought on very well-respected scientists who happened to dissent from the ruling class. And what happened? They, they fixed him real good. They took off a hundred episodes, more than a hundred episodes of his show. They put disclaimers on the shows that they didn't like. They don't, hey, listen, don't get too rowdy there, Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan, who's a liberal, he's not even a conservative. So we don't control any of this. When, when conservatives say the answer to bad speech is more speech, it's incoherent in the particulars, but it's also impractical in, in real life because we don't have any of those institutions. The one thing we've got is the people. That's what you're seeing in Canada. That's what you're seeing here. The one power center that we still have at least some of is the people. And so the people, we the people need to use what power we have to bring our country back into some semblance of sanity. And we can do that in the market and we can do that in the culture. And yes, we need to do that in politics. We the people through our self-government. You want to talk about irresponsible journalism? After the Super Bowl win, uh, the people of Los Angeles reacted, as is so often the case when a city wins a Super Bowl. They torched their own city. There was rioting. There was madness. There was mayhem. What better way to celebrate than to destroy your community? So this was going on in LA as everybody expected. And CBS News, the local CBS News affiliate, they, they didn't want to uh, make these people look bad. You know, this is, these are Democrat voters here who are burning down this city. So they're jumping on cars and, you know, causing all sorts of mayhem and, you know, rioting in the streets. Or in the words of CBS, they were engaging in problematic celebration. <laughs> That's the new one. They say <laughs> problematic celebrators were seen jumping on top of a white pickup truck as police tried to disperse the crowd. LAPD declared an unlawful assembly almost 45 minutes before. When BLM, 
burns down cities and attacks federal courthouses and kills dozens of people and loots and robs and rapes and pillages and burns for eight months. That is a mostly peaceful protest. When Angelinos riot after the Super Bowl win and jump on top of cars and create riots in the streets, that is a problematic celebration. And when ordinary, hardworking, basically law-abiding truckers honk their horns so they don't need to inject themselves with an experimental drug to stave off, to possibly, to probably not even stave off a virus that's not all that dangerous to most people, that's terrorism. That's the world that we're living in right now, okay? That's the world of the journalists. That's the world of the government. That's the world according to both of them. And it's completely false. And it is, an, it is nothing more than an instrument to upend our way of life, take away our rights and our liberties and everything that we've come to cherish in these countries. And we've got to push back on that. You want to talk about Hollywood? You want to talk about the media for a second? This is a story I, was, I wasn't going to get into because this is not exactly a tabloid show. You know, this is not Hollywood all access or anything like that. But this story actually gets to something pretty important in our politics and culture. I'm talking about Yeezy. I'm talking about Mr. Ye. Talking about the breakup of Kim Ye, Kim Kardashian now dating Pete Davidson. Why? I don't know. Pete Davidson pulls above his weight in the girls, I guess. But they're dating. Kanye was dating some other girl. I guess he's not dating her anymore. It's very sad. Their marriage was falling apart, but he's still trying to get back together. Kanye West has been going after his wife's, they're not actually divorced, I don't think, so his wife's current boyfriend, Pete Davidson. He, uh, I won't, he's using colorful language, but he, he posted a picture of Pete Davidson who, because he got a Hillary Clinton tattoo on himself. And he said, look at this D-I-C-K head. I wonder if Instagram going to shut down my page for dissing Hillary Clinton's ex-boyfriend. <laughs> then he goes on, uh, he, he keeps posting pictures of Pete Davidson and going after him. He says, uh, when I tag people, I'm just putting together the web, there are a group of people who run the media and the election. Thank God for free speech. So Kanye, totally, totally right on that point. And uh, then uh, Pete Davidson apparently sent Kanye West a message and said, I'd never get in the way of your children. How you guys want to raise your kids is your business and not mine. I do hope that one day I can meet them and we can all be friends. Right? Hey, this is the new boyfriend saying this to the husband of the woman that he's dating. And Kanye just responds, all caps, he says, no, you will never meet my children. Awesome. I love that. I love that. We should all learn a lesson from Kanye right now. I know that is a, not, not necessarily the sort of thing one would naturally think, but Kanye is actually doing something right here. Kanye is trying to save his marriage. And he's not just going along with this. And his wife, Kim Kardashian, has a whole spread in vogue about how she's going to live for herself now. Remember, we covered it on the show last week. She's in her 40s. It's about what she wants. And she's not going to let other people tell her what to do. And, you know, it's fine if her children are traumatized by her leaving her husband and by the dissolution of their marriage and her engaging in this high profile fling with this Hollywood derelict. Yeah, that's fine because it's for her. It's about me now. And Kanye West is saying, no, I'm not going quietly. I'm not doing this. I'm not going to let you have your own 
new life and take my children away from me. And I'm not going to pretend that it's all fine and it's all amicable and it's all good. And don't worry, you do you and I'll do me and we'll all just date whoever we want. And by the way, when we get tired of those people, we're going to kick them out too. And we're going to date other people. And if our kids are extremely confused and traumatized by that, well, that look, that's just, that's just the cost of pursuing your own appetites and desires. And now we can all be friends. Hey, let's all get dinner. Me, you, and Pete Davidson, and Pete Davidson's girlfriend, and Pete Davidson's girlfriend's boyfriend. It's cool. It's all good, right? No. Kanye's saying, no, it's not good. Stop acting like a harlot and a trollop and come back to your husband, and we're going to live together because we made an agreement to do this. We made a, a, a a consecrated marriage vow before the the people of our community and before the public and before our God, and we're going to honor that. Mm. I love it. I love it. I don't know if it's going to work, but I love it. That's totally the right attitude. It's totally the right. The Kim, the Kim attitude of, I'm just going to do me. Don't let people tell you what to do. I'm going to do me. And the Kanye attitude of, no, I'm going to do what I said I would do. And I'm going to live up to, even though I'm an extremely broken, flawed, sinful person, I am going to try to be virtuous and holy. And you, it, 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 that's not just you do you and I'll do me. And No, we're, we're going to do what we should do and what we're supposed to do. And we're going to defend. If we're going to have a good life and a good country and a good society, we're going to defend the basic political institution, the family, marriage. And, and I'm not going to let some scruffy-haired derelict from Saturday Night Live get in the way of that. Uh-uh. Absolutely right. Stand up, Kanye. Kim should go back to her husband. We should, we should, we should tighten up these sorts of things. You know, th- there has been a movement on the right in recent years away from the sort of you do you kind of, hey, whatever, just if it feels good, do it. Just cut my taxes. Just don't make me pay for it, right? There's been a movement away from that, a movement toward more traditional social values, a movement toward defending the nation, right? Toward borders, toward, and and one of the parts of this movement has been that we should tighten up divorce laws, that the idea of no-fault divorce, which took hold in the latter part of the 20th century, has been a disaster, and it's led to family mayhem, and it's led to all sorts of social pathologies, and we shouldn't have it. It should be harder to get divorced. On the one hand, it sounds like you're taking away freedom when you do that, right? What do you mean? People don't have the freedom to just get divorced whenever they want? I know it sounds like that, but making divorce harder to get, making the threshold much higher, is actually a way to expand freedom. I think about it this way. Think about it with a national border. We don't have really borders in this country anymore. Certainly not our southern border. People just pour across by the millions every year. So it sounds like that's, that gives you more freedom, right? This, America is much more free. We don't even have borders anymore. But actually, America is much less free because we don't have the border, because we don't have that constraint, because we no longer have the ability to chart our own national course. We no longer have the stability of a normal country that actually follows the laws, the, the stability and the order requisite for true liberty to flourish. It's the same thing with the speech laws. If you have free speech, quote unquote, protections for fraud and obscenity and threats and fighting words, then you don't have speech. Then you've got bullying and then you've you've got de facto censorship all in the name of speech. And the same thing with marriage. Marriage constricts your license and your ability to do whatever you want whenever you want to do it. But it actually expands your freedom because it gives you a life. It gives you stability. It gives you, it, it gives you trust that you can rely on the things 
that people said they were going to do, that they were actually going to do them. It gives you a good base to grow a family, gives you an ability to do other things. In a very basic level, when, when you get married, you don't need to worry so much about who's going who's to cook and who's going to clean and who's going to do the dishes and who's going to pay the bills. You've agreed to that, and then you've moved forward, and you're working together. Kanye, this, this reaction, this kind of crazy Hollywood reaction to his wife's new boyfriend is actually probably the, the best argument Kanye has made for why we should elect him president. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying he should actually be president, but I, but I am saying he is seeing something politically that we should see as well. We got to get tough. We got to, we've got to put some more boundaries on things if we want to have true freedom. You, you know what's good? This is actually a perfect example of this. In New York City right now, well, in cities around the country, but especially New York, crime is going through the roof. Crime is going through the roof. There was a horrible story of a man who just attacked some poor Thai woman on, on the subway platform. This man had 44 previous arrests, but he was walking around free. Now, according to the left, the way to expand freedom is to let the criminals out of jail and not to arrest them in the first place. Actually, I think it would expand the freedom of this Thai woman and every ordinary citizen of New York if you threw the criminals in prison. Restrict that freedom, restrict that license, you're going to expand freedom for all of the citizens. This man, it's a hard video to watch. There's a man who just approaches this woman on the platform and just beats the living hell out of her. Uh, A man, he's in Queens. He's got 44 arrests in his life charged on Thursday for the brutal mugging in November of this Thai woman, uh, which took place in Manhattan. So it's in the supposedly the safest borough of New York. The guy grabbed this woman from behind, dragged her, then threw her to the ground, punched her in the face four times, then made off with her purse. Oh, he sexually assaulted her too, by the way. This animal, this attacker should be put away from society. He's an, he's a beast. He's an animal. He shouldn't be allowed in free, polite society. I believe in second chances. I I really do. I think people, even who commit really terrible crimes, I believe in second chances. I sometimes even believe in third chances. What I do not believe in is 45th chances. I think 45th chances is a little bit too far. And by the way, Obviously, it would have been much better for this woman that he just brutalized if this animal had been put in prison and not allowed out. Obviously, it would be better for the people of New York who now, they have to fear for their lives every time they get on a subway, even in Manhattan, which is the safe borough. But it would be better for him too. I don't think he's living a particularly flourishing life, mugging women and engaging in more and more crime and vice and sin and living like a filthy, disgusting animal, giving away his humanity, throwing it away so that he can take some woman's dignity and take her purse and run away and go do it to someone else. I don't think that's good for him. I think it would be much better for him if he were locked up, being punished, being rehabilitated, doing a little introspection maybe, and perhaps even repenting and perhaps even turning his life around. He's not going to do that on the streets. The only way he's going to do that is is in prison. And, and the left won't do it because, and it, what it really comes down to is their perverted conception of freedom. I think they really believe like, like Rashida Tlaib says, 
You got to abolish the prisons. The reason we're, we have oppression in America is because we, we lock up these animals. People who, who mug women and sexually assault them 44, 45 times. And then because we lock those people up, that's why we don't have freedom in America. No, it's the opposite. Of course it's the opposite. So the Russians are expected to invade Ukraine. The Russians are expected to invade Ukraine tomorrow. Will they do it? I don't know. Maybe. They've done it before. <laughs> they, did. they invaded Crimea and kept it. They invaded Georgia on George Bush's watch. Bush repelled them though. And so they didn't, they didn't keep Georgia. So they've done it before. They certainly want to. Ukraine has, is one of the most conquered countries in the history of the world. It's been conquered by the Soviets, conquered by the, the czarist Russians before the Soviets took over, conquered by the Austro-Hungarian Empire, conquered by the Ottoman Empire, even conquered by the Poles. The Poles are themselves one of the most conquered countries on earth, and the Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth conquered Ukraine. So are the Russians interested in taking Ukraine? Obviously. Are they going to do it? I don't know. I don't know that they will. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. I, I think a lot of people are skeptical, though, that this is going to go down the way that the State Department is saying that, that it's going to go down. I think a lot of people are reluctant for war, even if the, uh, the Russians do invade. And why? Why are they skeptical? Because the United States has squandered its foreign credibility. And it's not just Democrats. It's primarily Democrats, but it's not just Democrats. Joe Biden the other day was asked about a new army report that came out. The, the army has a report on the withdrawal from Afghanistan, and the report is devastating for the, the political leaders there. Biden just completely botched that thing. And Joe Biden dismissed the army report. Does any of that ring true to you? No. No. That's not what I was told. That you were told that the U.S. administration officials were prepared, they knew it was time to get out? No. What I was told, no one told me that, look, there was no good time to get out. But if we had not gotten out, they acknowledged that we would have had to put a hell of a lot more troops back in. It wasn't just 2,000, 4,000. We would have to significantly increase the number of troops, and we'd be back in this, this war of attrition. And, it, and there was no way we were ever going to unite Ukraine. I mean, excuse me, Iraq, Afghanistan. No way that was going to happen. And so this is a much wiser thing to do. I just want to clarify, are you rejecting the conclusions or the, the accounts that are in this army report? Yes, I am. So they're not, not true. I'm rejecting them. Joe Biden, he says, no, forget that. Don't believe your lying eyes. No, you've got, to, you've got to believe the government. You've got to believe the intelligence agencies. You've got to believe the Pentagon, except when they disagree with me, in which case you should never believe them. Don't worry, Afghanistan was great. But it's, it's bigger than Afghanistan. What about Libya? Remember when Obama invaded Libya for basically no good reason? Remember that? And then Libya got worse after the invasion. Remember that? Remember the complete botched foreign policy in Syria and Iraq? Remember, remember all of that. And now the American people say, we don't want you invading Ukraine. And I can't blame them. Even if there were a good reason to invade Ukraine, even if there were, even if the intelligence agencies had 100% credibility, State Department 100% credibility, the Pentagon top brass, these woke political jerks who are are turning our army into a gender studies seminar, even if they were all 100% right, 
they've squandered their credibility. And so the American people don't really buy it. And, and I think the most devastating part of all for them is the American people are looking around at our own country and they're saying, hold on, we're not enforcing the laws. We've got crime going through the roof. We've got actual insurrections here, like BLM burning the country down for eight months. We've got no borders. We've got millions of foreigners pouring across our border. Even if it's for good, good reason, even if it's to have a better life, even if it's for, for economic opportunity, it is quite literally an invasion. I'm not saying it's an invasion led by some military commander, but it's people going from their country that they're supposed to be in and taking over another country. And they're looking around at that and they're saying, before, <laughs> before we go over there, how about we get our problems fixed over here? Before. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Today on the Ben Shapiro Show, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, who is definitely not Fidel Castro's son. Stop that, you. He invokes the Emergencies Act to fight the Freedom Convoy. That's today on the Ben Shapiro Show. Give it a listen. 